Okay. So again, to repeat myself, uh, Elul is again the month of repentance. It's 30 days of repentance in preparation for the High Holy Feast, preparation for Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur. And then we look forward to the Feast of uh, Sukkot. And again, it's a time of repentance, purification, uh, purifying ourselves. You know, the Bible says that the, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's the flesh that we're continually having to put down and that wants to uh, control us. But we need to, again, be controlled by the Ruach. It's a, t a good time to be during this time of, of fasting for the purpose of purification as well. Uh, fasting and praying, you know, even if it's just one meal a day or uh, whatever you can you can do. It's a time of holiness, being set apart. God has called us to be a holy, set apart people, and it's a time of fruitfulness. The Father wants us to see bear fruit in His life, in our life. So again, I said I mentioned this last week, but I'm going to do a little repetition. The month of Elul is a time of repentance, again, in preparation for the High Holy Days of Rosh Hashanah. It's also known as Yom Teruah, the Awakening Blast, and Yom Kippur. Tradition teaches that the month of Elul is particularly propitious time for repentance. This mood of repentance builds through the month of Elul to the period of Slikot, to Rosh Hashanah, and finally to Yom Kippur. Again, I like looking at it as those that of us who are, you know, maybe uh, do work in uh, in in offices, or uh, I know I used to be, you know, working in the business world. And every year they would give you an annual report, an annual review uh, to, you know, kind of critique. Okay, how how have you done this past year? You know, determining whether you're going to get a raise, determining whether you're going to get a promotion. So I like looking at this as a time of the Ruach uh, giving us an annual review, reviewing, you know, showing us where how we could have done better. And the, the rabbis or the sages teach as well that it determines this time of year determines how the rest of our year is going to go for us. Uh, the name of the month is spelled with an aleph, lamed, vav, lamed. The vav is actually has the, the vowel sound of u over it. So it is said to be an acronym of ani, ladodi, vidodi, li. I am my beloved's and my beloved is mine. A quote from the Song of Songs in 6.3. And I, I look at it too as our being that we are the bride of Messiah. It's, you know, we belong to Messiah and he belongs to us. Uh, where the beloved is, uh, Yahweh and I, uh, the sages say this refers to the Jewish people, but again, we have been grafted into the olive tree of Israel, so we are a part of the commonwealth of Israel. We are included in the beloved of Yahweh. In, Aramea in Aramaic, the vernacular of the Jewish people at the time that the month names were adopted. Why? Because they were in Babylon, and Babylon was, you know, they used Aramaic. The word alul means to search, which is appropriate because this is a time of the year when we search our hearts. You know, this is a time, too, that we have to be brutally honest with ourselves. It's not looking at each other's faults. You know, it's easy to pick out somebody else's faults. But our, ours, our own, sometimes we are blinded to. 
So it's, it's you know, Ruach, dig deep within me. Dig deep within me and show me those, those things in my life that I need to submit more to the Ruach HaKadosh. Submit more to the Word. And again, I love this this time of the year, and hopefully, every year we are we are growing. Every year we are becoming more sanctified, more purified, more walking in holiness, and producing more fruit for the kingdom. Again, according to tradition, the month of Elul is the time that Moses spent on Mount Sinai preparing the second tablets after the incident of the golden calf. We see that in Exodus or Shemot 32 and then chapter 34, 27 to 28. He ascended on Rosh Kadesh Elul and descended on the 10th of Tishri at the end of Yom Kippur when repentance was complete. Other sources say that Elul is the beginning of a period of 40 days that Moses prayed for Yahweh to forgive the people after the golden calf incident, after which the commandment to prepare the second set of tablets was given. Again, this is according to rabbinical tradition. During the month of Elul, from the second day of Elul to the 28th day, the shofar, which I know you're all familiar is a hollowed out ram's horn again there's different sizes the smallest is the ram's horn uh, but they can you can get them where they're over like some of them three feet long <laughs> um, but the shofar is not blown on shabbat so why during this time usually on shabbat will blow the shofar but on the month of Elul, every day from uh sunday to friday the shofar is blown as a call for repentance it is uh, also not blown on the day before Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah, which is, again, the day of the awakening blast, to make a clear distinction between the blowing of the shofar in Elul and the biblical mitzvah to blow the shofar, shofar on Rosh Hashanah. So as to make a difference um, of the, the difference between the, the call to repentance and then the blowing of the shofar on Rosh Hashanah. Uh, the four blasts are Tekiah, Shepharim, Teruah, and Tekiah. Again, this takes a lot of practice to be able to do these, especially uh, on Rosh Hashanah, the shofar say, is, is uh, blown at least a hundred times. And I know I've played videos before uh, of hearing people that were expert on blowing these the, the shofars. Um... <clears throat> Okay, Rambam explained that the custom of blowing the shofar is a wake-up call to sleepers. Here we see God's mercy. It, you know, God always, if we, if we look at the prophets, when God sent a prophet to Israel to preach repentance, mercy was always involved as well. Um, God would give them, what was the mercy? He would give them the opportunity to repent. The prophet would bring the judgment you know, by saying, thus saith the Lord, he was not to add to what God told him to say. He was not to take away from what God told him to say. He was to say exactly word for word what God had told him to speak. And if you look at the prophets, they always, they come with a word of warning. And they also say, however, if you repent, the judgment that uh, was to come, I will withhold. But unfortunately, most of the time they did not heed what the prophets were saying. They did not take heed and then the judgment came. 
Well, again, we are living since the time of Yeshua. Really, we've been in a time of his mercy, God giving people the opportunity to come into relationship with him. You know, Yeshua says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. There aren't any shortcuts. There aren't any side roads. It's one direct road, and it is through Yeshua, the way, the truth, and the life, which brings us into the presence of the Father. And we can see God's grace and mercy. You know, most of us probably wouldn't, wouldn't have as much patience as he's had, but it says it's not his will that any should perish. You know, the word says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, however, the world does not love God. But there are those that he is calling with the sound of the shofar. Again, I believe in the spirit realm, there is a, a, a strong anointing of repentance during this time. This is a time where we really need to be interceding for hearts to be softened, for hardened hearts to uh, be softened to receive his word, for ears to um, become unclogged so they could hear what he is saying to them, for eyes to see the truth. And in doing that, again, that's why we are going door to door. Is it an easy thing to do? No, it's not. But you know what? We're trusting God that as we're going there, that just that name of Yeshua is going to speak to people's hearts. And draw them because you know we our job is to is to share the word which includes repentance if you go all through the scriptures uh, re repentance is uh, and repentance must come before forgiveness again when the Israeli brought Israel the Israelis brought their offerings before Yahweh in order to, to be acceptable uh, number one, the, the offering had to be perfect. It had to be unblemished. There had to be true repentance when they laid their hands on that animal because that animal was receiving uh, the sins and the punishment. They would confess their sins over that animal, but there had to be true repentance for that sacrifice to be accessible. acceptable. So again, the blast of the shofar is a very piercing sound when done properly. I remember one time years ago, I was sitting at my aunt's house, and we were just talking because I'd go there and we, you know, I'd visit with them and talk with them, and we were sitting there, and all of a sudden, over the radio comes the blast of the shofar. I was, I almost jumped out of my seat. <laughs> I was like, "Thank you, Father, that I heard the sound of the shofar." Okay, go on. Elul is a time to begin the process of asking forgiveness for wrongs done to other people. Again, sometimes we hold unforgiveness in our hearts, thinking that we have forgiven that, that person. But if we can't, you know, talk to that person, if bad thoughts are coming up in our mind about that person, then we truly haven't forgiven them. And this is where putting down the flesh comes. We need to put down because pride doesn't want you to go to somebody and, and say, hey, I want to make things right. I, you know, I, I know what happened was wrong between us. I want to make things right between us. And this is the time of the Ruach will show you um, who you need to go to. You know, even Yeshua said, if you have uh, unforgiveness towards somebody and you're bringing your gift to the altar, leave your gift. Go make things right first and then give your gift to the Father. According to, true, to Jewish, Jewish tradition, can't talk today, 
Yahweh cannot forgive us for our sins committed against another person until we first obtain forgiveness from the person we have wronged. Again, Yeshua said, upholding, upholding the Torah, that we need to make things right. Why? Because unforgiveness blocks our prayer, makes our offerings unacceptable. This is not an easy task, as you might think, if you have never done it. Because number one, too, you don't know how that person's going to receive you. You know, maybe they won't receive it, but it doesn't matter. You've made the attempt to do it, and that's what God looks at. This process of seeking forgiveness continues through the days of awe. Again, the fall feasts are very, very prophetic. Uh, we look back at the spring feast, and that, that is the fulfillment of our redemption in Messiah Yeshua and the receiving of the Ruach HaKodesh into our lives, the power of the Ruach. The fall feasts point to the return of Messiah as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Yeshua ben David. Uh, again, it's a time of, of rejoicing, but it's also a time of judgment that's coming upon the world. And then Sukkot is, our, is, the, is the millennial reign of Yeshua, our Messiah, where he rules and reigns on earth. You know, we're looking for, again, Sukkot is like a rehearsal of the future when Yeshua comes and, you know, Bo Yeshua Bo, come quickly, may it be in our lifetime, to rule and reign on earth. Now, the I'm going to, during, um, again, this time, the mood of repentance becomes more urgent. Prayers for forgiveness called Slikot, uh, which is actually the Sephardic pronunciation, the Ashkenazi is Slikus, Again, there's a difference in the saying the same thing, just a different way they're being pronounced. The Sephardic is the, uh, more the uh, from the uh, Spanish um, community, where the Slichos is more the Ashkenazi, the European. Uh, in Israel, though, they use the Sephardic um, dialect. Are added again to the daily religious service. I'm going to pull up. I'm going to email this to you, but I'm going to pull up so I can show you what the Slikot service looks like. Here it is. Um, this is <clears throat> actually the majority of it is praying psalms and then some of the um, traditional prayers as well. It begins with, I'm just going to go read this really quick up here. Uh, okay. So the four steps of repentance. We'll just look at this first. Teshuva, again, means to return or repentance is a generous gift from God, which allows us to erase our improper actions through a four-step process. You know, none of us are perfect. We've all blown it. We've all, you know, succumbed to things of the flesh. Um, we've all sometimes said things we shouldn't have said. Uh, the Torah tells us no matter how far we stray or how many times we sin, God will wait for us to return to him through Teshuvah. Again, we are in this time of God awaiting for us to return to him and make things right so we can go forward, so we can be promoted in the kingdom, so we can do greater things for him and not be hindered because of sin in our life. There are four basic parts of teshuva. Number one, leaving the sin, regret for the sin, confession before God, and acceptance for the future. Leaving the sin. Leaving the sin consists of stopping the commission of the sinful act. 
One cannot do teshuva if one continues to do the sin, even if he or she were to perform the next three steps perfectly. You know, an example uh, that are in the notes they share, the rabbis say, you know, um, going through an immersion, you know, confessing your sins without stopping the sin um, is like having, keep having something unclean in your hand and going through the mikvah. Well, you haven't let go of that unclean thing. You need to let go of that unclean thing in your life. And then you go through the immersion. And we're going to talk about that as well. Because this is actually a great time to do a mikvah um, at home. And I'll, I'll go through how you can do that. Uh, regret regret consists in sincerely regretting one's wrong action. One must be genuinely ashamed and embarrassed over one's sins. Confession before God. Acceptance for the future consists of resolving in one's heart never to commit the sin again. Again, Yeshua pointed out that the sin begins in the heart. And that that's where we need to deal with it and get it out of our heart. Acceptance for the future. Confession before God consists of oral confession spoken out loud in which one formulates in words the commitments and attitudes one has reached in his or her heart. One should say, I have sinned, I have done such and such, I deeply regret my actions, and I declare before God, who knows my innermost thoughts, that I will never do this sin again. What Yahweh is really looking for is the sincerity of effort that a person puts in their teshuva. So here we have uh, Psalm 51 is something that we pray uh, daily during this time of Elul as well as Psalm 27 and we'll look at that later but these are again some of the prayers it's predominantly it's it's scriptures uh, we're saying the Shema in fact I'm going to hit we'll have this service probably online this Lakult service and I'll email this to you but if you look they're predominantly Psalms all the Psalms Psalms 145 some of the traditional prayers and then going back to a, a Psalm 27, a progression of the different Psalms during this time. So I'm just going to go back to the notes here. Okay. Hallelujah. So again, the Slakot are recited from the Sunday before Rosh Hashanah until Yom Kippur. If Rosh Hashanah begins on a Monday or Tuesday, the Slikot begins on the Sunday of the week before Rosh Hashanah. Now, in a lot of Jewish areas where the, I mean, the, they have access, everybody pretty much lives around the, around the synagogue, people will go for the, these daily prayers and meet at the synagogue. Unfortunately, we don't own our own building so we're limited to what we can do and when we can do it but we can do uh one day i need everybody to put you on, yourselves on mute um the firstly cold service of the holiday season is usually a large community service held around midnight um let's say shabbat the night after the shabbat ends that is after nightfall on saturday the entire community, including men, women, and older children, attend the service, and the rabbi gives a sermon. Uh, the remaining slakot service um, is are normally only intended by those who ordinarily do the daily synagogue services. 
So a fundamental part of the Sleek Cult service is a repeated re recitation of the 13 attributes. I want to open, I want to look at that in um, <coughs> the Tree of Life version. Go to Shemot, Exodus 34, 6 to 7. Then Adonai passed before him, him referring to Moshe, and proclaimed, Adonai, Adonai, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and truth, showing mercy to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means leaving the guilty unpunished but bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children to the third and fourth generation. I have an example of that. Usually this time of the year I do what's called a restoration service. We're uh, dealing with generational sins. Um, and I was going to do that today, but I really felt I wanted to do that when there was more people in person to do that. Uh, but again, here we, we look at this and says, by no means leaving the guilty unpunished. Why? Because God is a God of justice. He is merciful and gracious and patient, waiting for those to come to repentance. However, there is coming a time where um, those who have refused to repent will, will face God's justice. God is a God of justice. But he is also long-suffering and gracious and patient and forgiving iniquity. Again, he made a way where there seemed to be no way. He made a way originally through the um, sacrificial system, which was pointing to the Yeshua, what he would do, that he would take away our sins by sacrificing himself. Again, we see God's grace and mercy is so beyond our comprehension. Again, in the Hebrew, it says Yahweh, Yahweh, if you, uh, again, depending on the pronunciation you use, El. Uh, El means the strong one. Again, he is merciful. He is, thank, you know, thank God, thank you, Father, that you are so merciful to us. There are times when we were disobedient. At times when you told us to do something and we didn't do it. At times that, you know, we needed to... Uh, make things right and we didn't but we thank you for your mercy father that the ruach is continually dealing with our hearts and we don't want our hearts to become hardened he is gracious god has always been the, a god of grace and mercy from the very beginning again we see his long suffering with with the world but we see too eventually his patience is going to end and his justice and judgment will come and we see that during the tribulation period <clears throat> again he is abundant in goodness god is good all the time and truth we see again some of these <clears throat> aspects of who yahweh is in galatians talking about the fruit of the spirit well the fruit of the spirit is the fruit again of of the God's um, attributes within us that he has put within us 
And again, forgiving iniquity and sin. I'm going to look at um, 1 John 1 in a second. So, according to the sages, why is the name Yahweh listed as twice as an attribute? And why are there three attributes, uh, names of Yahweh? Different names of Yahweh can know different characteristics of Yahweh. The four-letter name, yud Hey vav Hey. Uh, the tree of tree of life version renders it as Adonai is a name used when uh, Yahweh or Yud Hey Vav Hey, which are the letters, is exhibiting characteristics of mercy. And the Talmud explains that this dual usage indicates that Yahweh is merciful before a person sins. Thank you, Father, for that, for His mercy, even when we were in the world before we repented. You know, He was merciful to us but is also merciful after a person's sins. So let's go to 1 John 1, because that ties into it. Uh, let's see. I want to begin with uh, verse 5. Now this is a message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and keep walking in the darkness, we are lying and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son Yeshua purifies us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here we see that purification. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So again, who is he addressing? He is addressing God's children. So again, this is the time where we purify ourselves, where we admit, yes, we have sinned. We have done things that are contrary to your word. And then this is a very personal, individual thing that we need to, again, look into our heart. I also suggest during this time to keep a journal, write things down that the Ruach is revealing to you during this time. The kingdom and the king. Acknowledging the kingdom and the king demands a response, and the response is repent. The Hebrew shuv or teshuva, to turn around, quit sinning and start doing good to turn back to God's ways the Hebrew sense of repentance is very active you stop going in the direction you are going you turn around and return back to God's covenant standards his commandments his Torah teachings and instructions you know and in the past you know 20 years or more we've seen a move of God in the body of Messiah where people are returning to uh, the Torah or the feast, keeping Shabbat. So again, this is a, a move of the Ruach in people's hearts that, you know, yeah, we need to do what Yeshua taught. We need to go back and understand what these teachings and instructions are and walk them out. We need to honor the Sabbath. We need to honor his feasts. And again, this is a move of the Spirit, you know, throughout the, throughout the world. But what we really need to pray for in this movement is unity. Uh, as believers in Messiah. So again, we read 1 John 3, 4, Sin is transgression of Torah. True return Torah, which is God's teachings and instructions. 
True return of repentance is a return to Torah, God's teachings and instructions. In the Talmud, the sages make a connection between repentance and immersion into the mikvah. This is why Yohanan was doing, again, preaching repentance, but then also along with the repentance, they went into the, into the river, into the waters, and did a mikvah, an immersion. And I'm going to show you something about that it, towards the end. It's on a different slide. The Tanakh, this is actually a commentary uh, by Adab ben Ahava said, this is what I was talking about before, one who has sinned and confesses his sin but does not repent to what can he be compared. So obviously he was saying, okay, you've, you've sinned, you confess it, but you've never really repented. He can be compared to a man holding a dead reptile, something unclean in his hand, for although he may immerse himself in all the waters of the world, his immersion is of no avail to him. But if he would just throw away the lizard, what is unclean from his hand, then as soon as he immerses himself, his immersion becomes effective, as it is said, but who confesses and forsakes, then shall he obtain mercy." So again, the two go hand in hand. If you're holding a dead lizard, it makes you ritually unclean and impure. So the mikvah is useless unless you are still unclean. Again, a mikvah is a place, uh, 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 it was like a, it had um, kind of like a pool where you'd go. There were steps down on either side. It was living water was in the mikvah. And the, the, they would go down, walk down into it, do the mikvah, and then walk out of the mikvah. So in other words, it says, get rid of the lizard, then go in the water, and that is what true repentance is. We need to get rid of what is unclean in our life. Consider this as we prepare ourselves to take up the yoke of the kingdom. What is a yoke? Uh, the yoke is a reference to Torah, teach God's teachings and instructions of the kingdom. It's to acknowledge the King Yeshua as we prepare ourselves to be Talmudim, or disciples. But first is repentance. Our first priority and our first task at hand is to repent, quit sinning, turn around, start doing good, come back to Torah, because the kingdom of heaven is now. It is our job to make a difference in the world as his Talmudim disciples by bringing Yeshua and the Torah to the nations. So I'm going to look at, we're going to look at um, what the scripture ha scriptures have to say about repentance. Let's go to Deuteronomy, or in Hebrew, Devarim, chapter 30, verses 1 to 8. 17. Deuteronomy 30. Just a second, I want to give, uh, Mr. Scott can't see the screen, so I want to give him the notes. Here you go. Okay. Now when all these things come upon you, the blessing and the curse that I have set before you, and you take them to heart, and you take them to heart in all the nations where Adonai your God has banished you, and you return to Adonai your God, and listen, again, to return to Shuva, or Shuv, and listen to his voice according to all that I am commanding you today, 
you and your children with all your heart and with all your soul. Then Adonai, your God, will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you. He will return and gather you from all the peoples, or Adonai, your God, has scattered you. Even if your outcasts are at the ends of the earth, from there Adonai, your God, will gather you, and from there he will bring you. Adonai, your God, will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, and you will possess it. And he will do you good and multiply you more than your fathers. Also, Adonai, your God, will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants. You know, there's many scriptures that refer to circumcision of the heart. To love Adonai, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul in order that you might live. Adonai, your God, will put all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you and who persecute you. Then you, you will return and listen to the voice of Adonai and do all his mitzvot that I am commanding you today. And let's go to verse 9. And Adonai, your God, will make you prosper in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, in the offspring of your livestock, and the produce of your soil for good. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's go to Second Kings 17. Verses 7 to 23. I'll give everybody a second to get there. 2 Kings 17, beginning with verse 7. Now it was so, because the men of Israel had sinned against Adonai, their God, who brought them out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and had feared other gods. Instead, they followed the customs of the nations when Adonai had whom Adonai had disposed before B'nai Israel, yet with the kings of Israel practiced. B'nai Israel secretly did these things against Adonai, their God, that were not right. They built shrines for themselves in all their settlements, from watchtowers to fortified cities. And they set up pillars and Asherah poles for themselves on every high hill and under every leafy tree. There they burned incense on all the high places, like the nations whom Adonai had driven out before them. So they did, did wicked things to provoke Adonai. They worshipped idols about which Adonai had said to them, You shall not do this thing. Yet Adonai had forewarned Israel and Judah by the hand of every prophet and every seer, saying, Turn from your evil ways, and keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the Torah which I commanded your fathers, and which I sent you by the hand of my servants the prophets. Yet they would not listen, but stiffened their neck like their fathers, who did not trust in Adonai their God. So they rejected his statutes and his covenant that he had made with their fathers, and his testimonies that he testified against them. Instead they went after futile things and became futile, following the nations that surrounded them, about whom Adonai had charged them not to emulate. So they abandoned all the mitzvot of Adonai their God. So they made for themselves molten images, two calves, and made an Asherah pole, and bowed down to all the host of heavens, and worship Baal. And they made their sons and daughters pass through the fire, practice divination and enchantments, and sold themselves to do evil in Adonai's eyes to provoke him. 
So Adonai became very angry with Israel and banished them from his presence. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. Even Judah did not keep the mitzvot of Adonai their God, but followed the customs which Israel had practiced. So Adonai spurned all the descendants of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them out of his sight. When he had torn Israel from the house of David, they made Jeroboam son of Nebat king. Then Jeroboam drew Israel away from following Adonai and made them commit a great sin. The men of Israel kept walking in all their sins that Jeroboam committed. They did not turn away from them until Adonai banished Israel from his presence as he spoke by the hand of all his servants, the prophets. So Israel he had been exiled from their own land to Assyria this day. Again, speak, this is speaking of the northern the majority of this is speaking of the northern tribes. But here, again, the reason for the punishment was because of them worshiping other gods. And we see that happening today. We see churches bowing down to succumbing to the pressures of the world and calling you know, evil good and good evil. And God, again, is, make, is, is making a separation. And he's telling us, come out from among her and be ye holy. Come out of, of worldliness. Again, his people, we need to come out of their place where we are bowing down to things that are, again, uh, contrary to his word. Let's go to Second Chronicles 7.14. We need to intercede and pray uh, for this country as well during this, during this time of Teshuvah. Using Tree of Life, so the order is a little different. I gotta. Here we go. Okay, Second Chronicles, seven fourteen. Uh, let me go up. Start up with um, verse thirteen. If I shut up heaven that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people, when my people, over whom my name is called, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So again, this is this is if my people, which includes Israel and uh, all of us, the, the body of Messiah who have been grafted into Israel, if we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from, from our evil ways, again, then healing will come. But it starts with the body of Messiah. It starts with his people. Let's go to Nehemiah uh, chapter 1. Read this is read from the New American Standard. It just happened to fall open right there. So <laughs> Nehemiah 1 8 and 9. Remember the word which you commanded your servant Moshe, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return again, shuv to me and keep my commandments and do them. 
Though those of you who have been scattered were in the most remote part of the heavens, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place where I have chosen to cause my name to dwell. And then go to still staying in Nehemiah, go to chapter 9, 16 to 26. And again, this is actually uh, Nehemiah or Nehemiah's uh, intercession for his people. But they, our fathers, acted arrogantly. They become stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen, and you did not remember your wonder, and did not remember your wondrous deeds that you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and you did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a calf of molten metal and said, This is your God who brought you up from Egypt and committed great blasphemies, you in your great compassion did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them by day to guide them on their way, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way in which they were to go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. Your manna you did not withhold from their mouth, and you gave them water in their thirst. Indeed, forty years you provided for them in the wilderness, and they were not in want. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet swell. You also gave them kingdoms and peoples, and you allotted to them as a boundary. And they took possession of the land of Sihon, the king of Heshbon, and the land of Og, the king of Bashan. You made their sons numerous as the stars of heaven, and you brought them into the land which you had told their fathers to enter and possess. So their sons entered and possessed the land, and you subdued before them the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites. And you gave them into their land with their kings and the people of the land to do to them what they desired. They captured fortified cities and a fertile land. They took possession of houses full of every good thing, hewn cisterns, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. So they ate and were filled and grew fat and revealed in your and reveled in your great goodness but they became disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who had admonished them so that they might return to you and they committed great blasphemies therefore you delivered them into the hand of their oppressors who oppressed them but when they cried to you in the time of their distress you heard from heaven according to your great compassion and you gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of their oppressors. So again, he goes on recounting the facts of how good and merciful God was to his people and continues to be to his people. And we need to, you know, it's a good practice for us as well, thanking you, thanking the Father, for looking back at all, you know, sometimes we have an attitude of ingratitude. We forget all the things that the Father has blessed us with. Not just material things, but healing, deliverance, you know, salvation, and just having a grateful, thankful heart. And if you notice, too, in all these prayers, they always go back to that great deliverance of, from Egypt, which was a picture of our great deliverance in Messiah. Let's go to Isaiah 55. 
verses 6 and 7. Seek Yahweh while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return, again, shuv, to the Lord, or Yahweh, and he will have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Again, we see the attributes of, of our Father being, you know, being brought out in these scriptures. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor your ways are my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Verse 11, So will my word which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter which I sent it. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 8, which is just following. Verses 4 to 6. You shall say to them, Thus says Yahweh, Do men fall and not get up again? Does one turn away and not repent? Why then has this people, Jerusalem, turned away in continual apostasy? They hold fast to deceit, they refuse to return. We have listened and heard, they have spoken what is not right. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his course like a heart horse charging into battle even the stork in the sky knows her seasons and the turtle dove and the swift and the thrush observe the time of the migration but my people do not know the ordinance of Yahweh I mean what a picture of what is happening today as well and God's word is eternal you know and the prophets uh, the sages say what happened in the past will repeat itself in the future and we can see that we're living in a time where just that even those that claim to be uh, believers quote believers are turning away um, from God's word and aren't repenting of wickedness Daniel chapter 9 Praise you, Father. Thank you for your word. Again, I'm just reading scriptures that are dealing with repentance. Uh, Daniel 9, beginning with verse uh, 11. Indeed, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, not obeying your voice. So the curse has been poured out on us, along with the oath which is written in the law of Moses, a servant of God. For we have sinned against him. Thus he has confirmed his words which he had spoken against us and against our rulers who ruled us to bring, on, to bring on us great calamity for under the whole heaven there has not been done anything which was done to Jerusalem. As it is written in the Torah of Moses all this calamity has come upon us yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquity and giving attention to your truth. And then go to uh, Ezekiel, which is just the one book back from Daniel. Ezekiel 18, verses 21 to 23. 
But if the wicked man turns from all his sins which he has committed, and observes all my statutes, and practices justice and righteousness, he shall surely live, he shall not die. All his transgressions which he have committed will not be remembered against him. Because of his righteousness which he has practiced, he will live. So again, God admonishing his people to return, to repent, so that they can be uh, returned back to a righteous walk. And then go to Malachi 3.7. Which again, I'm going to get the New American Standard because it's just easier for me to find it because of the order. Uh, 3 7. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes. Again, just the opposite of returning, they were going away and have not kept them. Return, shuv to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you shall say, How shall we return? I'll go to Zechariah 1 1 to 6. And again, I'll email all these notes to you so you'll, you'll have the whole um, PowerPoint point as a PDF file. If you're using uh, your computer, it's probably e e easier for you to get there a lot quicker. <laughs> Let's see, go to Zechariah. Praise you, Father, for ears to hear. Hallelujah. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of Yahweh came to Zechariah the prophet, the son of Bechariah, the son of Edo, saying, Yahweh was very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, Thus says Yahweh of hosts, or Yahweh Zavaot, Return to me, declares Yahweh Zavaot, that I may return to you, says Yahweh Zavaot. Do not be like your fathers, to whom the former prophets proclaimed, saying, Thus says Yahweh Zavaot, Return now from your evil ways and from your evil deeds. But they did not listen or give heed to me, declares Yahweh. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? But did not my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your fathers? Then they repented and said, As the Lord of hosts proposed to to do to us in accordance with our ways and our deeds, so he has dealt with us. So we want to look at repentance in the apostolic scriptures as well again, meaning the same thing. To repent, to turn back. The Greek is pisteo, means living, trusting, faithfulness. Living in trustful faithfulness to Yahweh. So let's look at Matthew 3, 7 to 9. Yeshua proclaimed repentance. Yochanan the Baptist uh, proclaimed, preached repentance. Matthew 3, 7-9 For this is one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Um, 
This is my lost my place. Okay. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brought of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that we can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. So again, John preached repentance, again, in preparation for receiving Messiah, who was, you know, uh, Yeshua coming, that, coming you know, uh, again, to be the Lamb of God. John Yochanan was preparing the way for people to receive his Messiahship. Just as the same that he is, we, the Ruach is uh, bringing the season of repentance to prepare the way for his return. Go to Mark chapter 1. Now, after John was taken into custody, Yeshua came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is hand repent and believe in the gospel or the good news let's take a look the gospel of Besorah again was the sacred message that the children of Israel would live wholeheartedly by the complete covenant, covenant that God revealed through Moshe then Yahweh would prosper their lives in the land promised Let's look at, uh, we're going to end with, with these, Mark 6, 7 to 12. And then I just want to share a few, a few other things. And he summed the, summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And he instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey except a mere staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals. And he added, Do not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you as you go out from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet for a testimony against them. And they went out and preached that men should repent. Go to Luke 13, 1 to 5. Now the same occasion there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Yeshua said, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those eighteen in whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Then go to 15 verses 4 to 7, Luke 15, 4 to 7. What among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one who is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. And go to, still staying in Luke 24. Uh, it's a typo there. We'll begin in Luke 24. Um, let's see. Forty-five to uh, and to uh, forty-nine. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, "Thus is it written that the Messiah would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem." So again, what is our call? that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name. 48. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending you forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then go to Acts 3.19. Again, the same message of repentance. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of Yahweh. And then Acts 11. This, this isn't even the right 17 to 18. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he has given to us, also after believing in Yeshua, the Messiah, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Hallelujah. Um, okay, I want to just read a few of these. What is repentance that leads to life? Um, actually, let me see. Let's go to, I'm not going to read all of them because you can see them in the notes. Let's go to, let's go to Revelation 12, 17. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children who keep the commandments of Yahweh and hold to the testimony of Yeshua. Again, we've entered in those, you know, I'm sure you can tell there's great spiritual warfare going on. What you see going on in the natural is actually a reflection of what's going on in the spirit realm. So we shouldn't be surprised when we're, you know, the enemy is fighting against us. Why? Because we're preaching the truth, the whole truth of God. But again, here is it referring to those that keep the commandments of Yahweh and hold to the testimony of Yeshua. Again, 14.12 says same, the same thing. Here's the perseverance of the saints who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Yeshua. 
go back. I'll go to 2 Timothy. Then we'll end with this. And I just want to share, um, I have to pull up another PowerPoint on how to do a, uh, a mikvah in your home. So a lot of times we can't, we don't have uh, a lake that's accessible or that you can go into uh, or use. But there are different ways you can do this where which are acceptable, which even the rabbis listed as. Um, well, if you can't, if you can't find living waters, then you can do this. If this isn't available, you can do that. And then they even brought to the, the, the part where, yes, you could even just pour water on yourself, you know, so a certain amount of water to accomplish this. If you're not, don't aren't accessible to um, a lake or living water to go into. Um, let's begin with verse 24, and then we're going to actually go into uh, chapter 3 as well because it's very applicable to what's going on today. 2 Timothy. Let's begin with um, 20. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and to some to honor and some to, dis to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Again, we're in a season of sanctification, uh, cleansing ourselves from things that are hindering us from going forward. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculation, knowing that they will produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. In other words, what's coming to their senses? They repent and turn away from their sin and accept the forgiveness of Messiah. So he goes on today in chapter 3, which is, again, we are living this out. But realize this, in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips without self-control, brutal haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, Avoid such men as these. For among them there are those who enter into households and captive, captivate weak women weighed down with sins and led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 13. But evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. And then he's just admonishing Timothy, but again, it's, it's, it 
belongs to us as well, that from your childhood, if you had known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Messiah Yeshua. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. So again, we're in, the, in a process, and this is a continual process we're going to have until Messiah returns and we receive our glorified bodies because, you know, we're still dealing with uh, sinful, you know, flesh, even though we've been redeemed in the spirit. So we see that, again, repentance, purification, holiness, and fruitfulness. Go to Galatians, and we'll uh, end with this, Galatians 5. This is not in your notes. I just added it uh, just for my spirit. I just want to go to Galatians. Because this is what, again, that we are admonished to work at in our life. Well, let's look at the negative and then the positive. Because Paul always brings out the negative, what you aren't to do, and then the positive, what we are to do. Uh, Galatians 5, beginning with verse 16. Galatians 5.16, going to the end, to verse 26. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, what? The law of the flesh. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Ruach is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Messiah Yeshua have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Ruach, let us also walk by the Ruach, and let us not become boastful challenging one another or envying one another hallelujah so let me go i just want to pull up uh one more thing here before i open it up to comments i just have to get it pulled up uh just a second here okay uh let's see oh you know what I gotta stop the record because it won't let me pull anything up. So let me just stop recording because this is just info anyway for you guys. So let me just give me a second here to get out. I have to close some windows here. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to find where I put it now. 
Uh, okay, I think I have it here. And actually, this is what I was going to share today, but I'm going to do it at probably more towards Rosh Hashanah. Oh, okay, this is what I want. I just wanted to share with you how to do uh, a mikvah at your house. And I actually had cards printed up, which once I get them, I will get them to you. Let me just get I back. Still got them, oh, do you? Okay. Well, I reworded them. I reworded them a little bit, so they uh, changed the prayer on it a little bit. So I'll sh I'll show you. I'll pull it up here just a second. Yes. Get back to you guys here. Plastic, plastic uh, card, right? Right. Okay. Here you are. Okay, share screen. There we go. Okay, and also um, the book 40 Days of Teshuva. Again, it's kind of like a workbook that, you know, uh, we could go through and um, look at scriptures and just have the Ruach do a purification in our life. I know, you know, being, there's so many demonic things going out now sometimes we could just feel just so overwhelmed at what's going on and we just need to you know just spend this time of interceding and reflecting upon his word and also how much he loves us how much that he uh, is for us and he wants us to succeed he wants us to um, fulfill everything that he has called us to fulfill because we all have a calling upon our life we all have a job to do and believe me it's you know there are when when you're out there trying to do the work of God the enemy is out there fighting against you and you know, will attest to that just for the intercession all the warfare uh, that we feel you know going on so here uh, the proper way to enter into a mikvah is, or uh, an immersion is to first make sure you are already physically clean so before the process before even going through an immersion is you are already clean. So you're not think you know, you're not looking at it as oh I'm taking a shower, I'm just cleaning myself. You're already phys you're already clean before you enter in. This represents the cleansing process of repentance that was done during uh, the immersion service. You may want to take a shower prior to immersion again so you do not confuse physical cleansing with spiritual cleansing. The immersion is done as evidence that you have already been spiritually clean and physically represents your change of status, your repentant heart. After a physical cleansing, uh, you, you fill your bathtub with a couple of inches of water, get in, then turn on the shower and let the water drain out of the tub while the shower is still running to complete the immersion process. Why? Because it's, it's, it's doing your... Um, replicating the, the living waters, movement of water. So again, just to go over, we are the five R's are recognize our sin, recognize our responsibility for our sin, repent of our sins, renounce our sins, resist Satan, and he will flee. He has no authority over the believer unless we give him, give it to him. So this is a card that I had printed up, and you may want to get it laminated. It's a good size card. It's like a, it's a large card, about eight by five, with the instructions on the front. 
again I have a teaching on the mikvah on the website too but I'm going to send you all the notes uh, that go with this so you'll have a complete understanding again a mikvah or an immersion is an ancient ritual bathing that signifies a change in status for example spiritual death to spiritual life single to married unemployed to employed called to full-time ministry in need of repentance or forgiveness Yeshua entered the, the mikvah prior to his going out as entering into his messian his ministry as the messiah to israel again it's a status change the first time we get baptized is when we're born again why because we've had a status change in our life but there's several times you can go through a mikvah or an immersion so these are the traditional blessings one time we we had a chance when we were in hillside and we uh, we didn't. We had a bunch of people that wanted to do a mikvah, but we had no place to do it. So, I contacted some churches, and this one Baptist church, this huge Baptist church, said, "Oh yeah, you can come and you can you can use our you know our baptismal." And their baptismal was just like a mikvah. I mean, on either side were stairs going down into the waters, and we were able to do uh, the the immersion there. And they had it. We didn't know that they were like filming it at the time. <laughs> and the, they were saying, oh, wow, you really do it right. Because the way to do an immersion, if again, if you are traditionally churches, they take you and they'll like um, lay you backwards into the water and bring you back up. But the Hebraic way of doing an immersion is that you... There are witnesses witnessing the immersion, witnessing the confession, which witnessing you doing the immersion, but you uh, stand up, you immerse yourself three times. So uh, the first immersion, uh, the traditional blessing is Baruchata Adonai Eloheinu Melecha Olam Asher Kichinu B'mitzvotah Davitz Vanula Hatafila. Blessed are you, Adonai, ruler of the universe, who has sanctified us with the mitzvot and command us concerning immersion oh, as Talmudim of Messiah Yeshua. So that's the first immersion. Then you come back up out of the water. The second immersion before you go down is the Shekianu, which is Barukata Adonai Eloheinu Melecha Olam, Shehe Kananu Viki Yamanu Yehige Yanula Zamana Zay. Blessed are you, source of all life, who has kept us alive and sustained us, enabled us to reach this day. Then the third immersion, you would say this blessing, B'Shem Elvino Mokeno, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, B'Shem Ruach HaKodesh, in the name of our Father, our King Yahweh, Yeshua our Messiah, and the Ruach HaKodesh, born again into Messiah Yeshua, born again into the olive tree of Israel, born again as a son or daughter of Israel in Messiah Yeshua, Baruch Hashem. I receive forgiveness and release from sin in my life and release from all generational curses in Yeshua's name. So again, this is, um, I would suggest laminating it, you know, if you, if you have a, a laminator, can get it laminated, but um, th these are the prayers that you would say uh, during an immersion, again, uh, even the rabbis laid out, okay, well, wonder if you, you're in a place where you don't have an access to a river, you don't have an access to living water. They gave different ways that you can do the, the mikvah, which would still be acceptable. So this is a way you could do it 
in your home unless you know of a place you can go to. Now there are traditional uh, mikvah oaths up on the north side, but they're usually restricted to um, just Jewish members. They're hard to find, but there are some where they have one for women and uh, one for men. But I just wanted to uh, share that process with you. And actually this is um, something that, you know, I think it's important to do even, you know, before the feast days. Again, just uh, saying, you know, showing our sanctification, our repentance, our entering into uh, a new level in Him, in Messiah, Yeshua. Hallelujah. Well, Elvino Mokaino, our Father, King Father, we thank you for this time together. Father, for the few that are, have gathered here, we just thank you for your blessings. For those that couldn't make it, Father, we ask that you are with them, that you bless them, you strengthen them. Father, may this be a time that we draw closer to you, Father. Father, that um, we do not allow the flesh to dictate to us, but we walk by your Ruach and walk by your Spirit. I thank you, Father, for all that you are doing in our lives, Father. In Yeshua's name, amen. All right, I'm going to open up. Looks like I lost a few people. They must have got disconnected, but... Um, Okay, Josh just had, let me just pull that up. Okay, uh, can you explain what one baptism means? There is one body, one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all in all. That is referring to um, the baptism into the body of Messiah, um, but uh, not to... Uh, and it could, you know, could be referring to the mikvah, the water baptism, but this is actually referring to baptism into the body of Messiah. Let me just see. Let me just pull something up here real quick. Uh, let me just... We'll get a, another commentary. Uh, let me just see something. Good question, hallelujah. But I believe Paul is referring to, uh, in general, uh, again, the baptism into the, the body of Messiah himself. Because when you receive Messiah, you, re you receive the Ruach, and you are grafted into the olive tree. If you have thoughts on that, too, you're, you're free to share. I just want to see if I could find um, an additional uh, note on that. I've got one, but it's in my logos, and it takes, if you give me a second, I can pull that up. Uh, I just have to get out of something here and pull it up, but if somebody else wants to comment while I'm trying to find that, uh, i got to pull up my logos. Okay. Okay, hallelujah. Uh, it's taken a while to open up here. Okay, well, well that's pulling up here. Um, again, if you want to comment, 
Okay, there it goes. Well, it's giving it's freezing up, it's giving me a hard time, so figures. Okay, just a second here. But anyway, yeah, because if you look at the context, says there's one body, of course, referring to the body of Messiah, one spirit, that's the spirit of Yahweh. There's only one spirit, just as you call into one hope. Again, that hope is Messiah, one Lord. There's only one Lord. There's only one faith. There's only one baptism. And again, I believe that's referring to the baptism in the body, not necessarily the, uh, the water baptism. The baptism, you know, by the Spirit. Because remember when Yeshua, um, Yeshua came to you and the disciples, uh, after Yeshua's resurrection, the disciples were gathered to him. He uh, blew on them the Spirit. They received the Spirit. This, again, that, uh, the Spirit of, to become born again, a renewal in their Spirit. But then again, he says, to uh, wait in Jerusalem to receive power from on high. So that was, again, receiving power. But they received His Spirit. Actually, they were the first ones to receive it. But they also had to receive that power, that baptism as well. And again, we know that, you know, the, the, the word talks about as soon as you are born again, yes, you are to go through uh, the mikvah, the, a water baptism. But in Jewish thought, there are other uh, mikvahs you can go through as, you know, again, a cleansing. It's not the, the one that you first go through when you are born again. And it's not something, again, you don't have to do it. Um, again, the additional, but I think it's a blessing. I think it's, you know, again, it's a, it just, it's a, a picture of again, God cleansing you, receiving his cleansing, receiving, you know, his forgiveness, receiving all that he, he has for you. And that's actually another deep study that I did on that, that I could send you uh, the notes for that. Um, it's called Waters of Purity. Because even the priest, before... Um, another example too that just came to me the priest before they entered the temple they had to go through a mikvah every time it just wasn't a one time thing they Plus, had a, they had a, when they did sacrifices they had to be purified right that was a mikvah every time they did a sacrifice the priest had to go through a, a mikvah right it was a purification process that they went through because in order to take the sins of the people upon themselves and put it on the animal they had to be, okay. be ritually and physically, or not physically, but just ritually okay. and spiritually clean. I just want to, I'm just pulling something up here. I mean, I have a quick question about that. When we opt to do it at a poll, are we also to have witnesses? No. No. No, that's just a, that's just a, that's just a personal, yeah, that's just a personal. It's not the. It's the, when you do it in a pool or no. in a mikvah. Oh, okay. Uh, just a minute. Let's see. Where was I? Ephesians 4. Okay, that's what I was looking for. Uh, yeah, your witness there is the Ruach. <laughs> Hallelujah. I just want to see uh, if I could find that. Well, when I did it at the Baptist Church, that, that uh, was in front of everyone also. 
but theirs wasn't living. Okay, just a second. The lake down here in Wheaton Park is living. Because uh, it's got four. springs in it. Yeah, but they won't let you go in it. <laughs> well, you wouldn't want to go in it because it's all uh, locked. Okay, I can't find what I'm looking for, but um, I'll give you a more detailed uh, answer, Josh, on that as well. If you have your thoughts, hey, you're welcome to share, you know. Um, but I thought I could find well, it he's here. But between actual baptism and, and mikvah. Uh, okay. Oh, no, I can't find what I'm looking for, so that's okay. Hallelujah. But that's a good question, Josh. And that's how, from in, in context, I believe that's what Paul is speaking about in, in general. In Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, let's see. Yeah. But again, I will send you the the full teaching on that that explains the Hebraic thought on the on the mikvah and the water immersion. Is to become calm, spiritually clean. Okay, okay. Well, that's where he's confused. All right. Does anybody have anything else they want to share or needs prayer for anything before we end? Oh, Carolyn. Okay, you are there. Okay, I thought I lost you for a second. Okay, you can unmute yourselves because I can't hear I you. Wanna, I just want to just make a comment that Luke 15, 4-7, uh, that actually has been ministering me, uh, ministering to me during this time. And I just, I think it's, I'm just reading it, read it so many times, but now it's really jumping out. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. I just want to share that. So when you said it, like, wow. <laughs> that is amazing it is amazing amen let's just go through uh, go to that again that you were uh luke what was it 14 1 to 7 luke 15 4 to 7 luke 15 4 to 7 okay yeah amen it's his how important just you know that one person yeah. is to you know to to yahweh how you know that and how heaven rejoices when that sheep is found. I know, that's just... So they know what's going on <laughs> down here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody else? Okay, I'm just looking if there's any more chats there. Okay, no, okay. Hallelujah. All right. Well, if there's no more uh, comments or nobody on, just, just want to pray. Elvina McCain, our Father, King Father, I just thank you for your mercy and your grace upon our life, Father. So many times we failed, Father, but you are always there to pick us up, strengthen us, and send us forward. Father, we thank you for the gift of repentance. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to make things right so that we can get back on that path, Father, that you have called us to. I know there's so many times, Father, that um, we've all failed in the flesh, Father. There's not one of us that, that can say, I've never missed it. But we thank you, Father, that you always give us an opportunity, especially during this time, 
of Teshuvah, this time of examining our own hearts, Father. Oh, Father, I just look forward to the day where we don't have to deal with this, this sinful flesh anymore. <laughs> Hallelujah for our, our renewed bodies, our new bodies, Father, totally free, totally set free in Messiah. Thank you, Father, for that wonderful gift of salvation, Father, which includes healing and deliverance, provision, Father, everything that you have, eternal life, redemption, that these feasts are a time of remembering, Father, uh, remembrance of all that you have done for us and that your call to holiness in our lives, Father. Father, I just praise you and thank you, Father, that even Paul admitted that there's times where Again, the flesh wanted to take over the spirit. But he said, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Messiah Yeshua. Father, we thank you for your victory. We thank you even during this time of turmoil. We are victorious and we are strong in you, Father. Father, we thank you, Father, that, uh, that we are growing day by day. That you are giving each of us, Father, the revelation we need daily in your word. You are feeding us. You are encouraging us. And we praise you and thank you for it, Father, in the mighty name of Yeshua. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If anybody wants to add on to that prayer before I uh, say the ironic blessing, if you have anything that God's putting on your heart. Stay on and I'll, I'll, I'll explain it to him. I'm going to send him the information to explain it well, to him. I can explain it to him. You don't have to. Okay. All right. Well, let me go to uh, Numbers. I'm going to go to the Tree of Life, Numbers chapter 6. I'm just going to say the blessing. Hallelujah. Okay. Let's. Uh, okay. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May Adonai turn his face towards you and grant you shalom. In this way you are to place my name over B'nai Israel, so I will bless them. Father, we receive your blessings, Father. We receive everything that your name pertains to, Father. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Well, Shabbat shalom, everybody. Thanks for joining in. Hallelujah. I'll mail you that, I'll email that information as well. So. Okay. Great word. Very knowledgeable today. <laughs>